I invite you to stand with me for our Easter call to worship. This is the good news. The grave is empty. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. This is the good news. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never put it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.
Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are mindful, uh, mindful of the words of the angel to the woman at the tomb, that he is not dead, that he is risen. And Lord, what wondrous and beautiful words. And Father, may they land in us as they did for those women that day, full of surprise and joy and reverence that the sting of death, it has not overcome, has not deadened our hope. And Lord, animate our hearts with those life-altering words that your Son, Christ, has risen indeed. And Lord, may this good news meet us this morning. May it, may it fill us up with life and joy. May it meet us in the places that death and darkness hold on, out of places of despair and sorrow, out of fear and betrayal, out of those old and tired ways of living that bind us up. Lord, you have delivered us from the tyranny of sin and set us free to be a people who love, who love and worship you, who love our neighbors with all the self-giving and gracious love that has been given to us. So Father, through your risen Son and by your Spirit, make us aware of your presence this morning and transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. We pray these things in the name of Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, uh, children are now dismissed for children's worship. You'll notice here it's kindergarten through fourth grade. Well, we do turn now to a time of confession and a time of assurance, a time to acknowledge with God our sin and our need of him. And we'll do this together as a church, have a time of singing and then a time of quiet personal confession. We know God's amazing love in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We know hope in this. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen.
Father, we confess our sin, that we were dead in our trespasses. But Lord, we cling, we in faith cling to the promise of resurrection, that in Christ we have been redeemed and forgiven and made alive together with him. We rejoice in this good news, in the risen Christ. Amen. We'll stand now to hear the words of assurance that come to us from Romans chapter 8. Let's join together. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. As we've been welcomed into God's family, let us also welcome each other in the name of Christ.
morning. The Old Testament lesson is from Exodus 15, verses 1 through 13, and 17 through 18. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake. I will, devoid, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain, the place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. The New Testament lesson is from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. morning again and happy Easter. It's good to be here uh, worshiping together. Thank you, Gina, for reading for the scriptures. This occasionally happens, but I had a, a dream last night about church and in the dream I somehow could not turn the lights on in the church in, this, in the school building and I also could not find my sermon. I just had a, I had a pile of papers, but I couldn't find, but good news, the lights are on um, and uh, I do have my sermon here. It's not, not too many pages, so uh, we can go forward. Um, but it's good to be here and to worship this Easter morning together. We're going to look at a passage from Matthew uh, chapter 28 in which he speaks of the empty tomb and the, the risen Christ. And one of the things that we can notice right away or things that we'll hear as we read it together is that in Matthew's account of Easter, he repeatedly uses words, behold, to see, see this. Eight times in just a few verses, he tells us to look, to see. And so our hope is this morning that we'll ask this question, what, what are we supposed to see? And in seeing it, why does it give us hope? So let's look at our passage. This is from Matthew 28, 1 through 10. You can follow in your order of worship or in your Bible. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, 
and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as I mentioned, Matthew invites us to see and to behold. And so I want us to spend our time asking two questions today. First is, what are we supposed to see? What are we supposed to behold? And then the second is, how does seeing this give us hope? How does this vision give us hope? Our passage starts by telling us that after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. The other gospel writers tell us that the women, these women came with burial spices. After witnessing the terrible events of Jesus' death, they returned to where they were staying to prepare spices for his body. And as we can imagine, they deeply desired right away to go back to the tomb, to go and properly care for the body. But they had to wait through the Sabbath, through the time of rest. And now at the first light of Sunday, as soon as they can, they come to the tomb. Now Matthew's account doesn't mention the spices. He simply invites you and me to see, see these women. With sorrowful hearts, they walk to the tomb to care for Jesus, to honor his body. And maybe we can imagine them thinking or even saying out loud, I can't change what has happened, but I want to do something to show my love, to express my sorrow. And so these women go to the tomb, but they do not see, they do not behold what they expect. Behold, see, says Matthew. It's like he's saying to us, don't miss this, pay attention. If, if words on a page could kind of flash or light up or wave their arms. He's saying, look at this. Behold, a great earthquake, an angel of the Lord, guards fainting like dead men. Behold, the tomb, a place of shadows and bitterness, has become something beyond what we can grasp. Behold, the stone that covered the tomb has been rolled back, an angel of the Lord, appearance like lightning, saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, the one who was nailed to the cross. He is not here. He was raised just as he said, come and see where he was placed. What are we to make of this scene? What are we to see? I don't know about you, but to be honest, I don't think of angels uh, that often. don't know quite how to picture them or to think of them. And so what does the presence of this angel mean? What does it mean that there's an angel that appears like lightning? Well, in scripture, the angel's presence points to the presence of God, points to the actions and power of God. You see, the strangeness of this scene, the, the, the sense that everything has been shaken, proclaims that here is something outside of human power, outside of or beyond human planning. Here is an action of God. The world rejected Jesus. 
he was crucified and placed in a tomb. And modern men and women, the women of and men of today, and along with all those of the past, we know the facts of death. One who has been killed and buried does not rise to new life. We all know that a tomb is a place of sorrow, a place where things have come to an end. It is not the place of new beginnings, yet we are told here to see he is not here, he is risen. Maybe we can picture for a moment the women preparing the burial spices on that Sabbath that required rest as they prepare to go back to the tomb, I imagine that there were tears, that there was anguish, cries of disbelief. How, how did this happen? Why? Why did this happen to this person we love? They engage in a sacred task of honoring Jesus. And see, in the midst of days marked with violence, with lies, with hate, with fear and disloyalty, these women act with faithful love. They act with courage. They walk to the tomb that early morning with devotion and determination that reflects the steadfast love of their God. And this is beautiful. And our passage invites us to give thanks for their act of worship. But I also want us to see that our passage directs us to behold, to see that in Jesus' resurrection, we encounter a completely different category of action. A work fully beyond human power, fully beyond human courage, beyond human devotion. In her poem, I never lost as much but twice. Emily Dickinson reflects on the death of two people who were dear to her. She writes, twice have I stood a beggar before the door of God. Twice have I stood a beggar before the door of God. Many of us know this pain, know the bitterness of the closed door of which she writes. And now what we're invited to behold or to see on this Easter morning, something completely new has happened. The door that has always been locked has been opened. This is how C.S. Lewis describes what Easter is. The resurrection, he writes, we come to the strangest story of all. And it's necessary to get the story clear. Something perfectly new in the history of the universe has happened. The door that has always been locked is now open. Behold, pay attention. Our role today is to see and to witness this unique work of God. What do you notice about the story? What do you see? One of the things that's interesting, right, is that throughout the account, the humans involved remain speechless. The guards faint. The women look and listen. The humans are quiet, but the angels speak. The crucified one is not here. He is risen. See, on the cross, Jesus took our sin, our mistreatment and brokenness, our suffering and the death upon himself. And yet the angel in the empty tomb proclaim the good news that such things could not hold him. His resurrection proclaims the good news that sin and evil and death are not the greatest forces in your life. They're not the final words in your life through Christ. Behold, in Jesus, God has spoken resurrection life. It makes sense, I think, that the central event of our faith does not depend on you or me. It makes sense that the, the central event of our faith, this resurrection of Christ who faces death and overcomes, 
does not rest upon your involvement, does not rest upon your agreement, does not rest upon anything that we might add to it today or in the future. See, Easter, the promise of new beginnings in life in the place of sorrow and death, Easter is a gift given to us by our God. Let us see and behold. We can ask, what is it that we're supposed to see? And, and having asked that question, then we can ask our second one is, how is seeing this, how is seeing Easter as a gift, this work of God for us, how does it give us hope? How does it give us hope this day? I recently came across an author that was describing a trip that he took to St. Petersburg, Russia at that time. During the, it was during the days of the Soviet Union that he went in the past. So the city was called Leningrad at that time. And he writes that despite having a map that he looked at very closely, he was lost. This was in the past, back before we had GPS and smartphones and that little blue dot that tells you, you know, where you are on the map. He had the folded map in his hand and he studied it closely, but he couldn't quite figure out where he was. You see that he had the map in front of him and, and right in front of his eyes were these large Russian Orthodox churches. And maybe you've seen images of these, of the golden onion globes that mark kind of the, the churches. He says he saw them in front of them, but he, he, they weren't on the map. And so he, he wondered, where am I? Where am I? So he sought help, which is a bold, you know, controversial choice. He asked for help from a local person. And he writes that the local person was helpful and said, that's simple. We don't show churches on our maps. We don't show churches on our maps. The author reflecting on this moment said that it occurred to me. This is not the first time I had been given an incomplete map. Not the first time I was following a map that did not have all the markers upon it. If you can picture that, picture trying your best to follow what's in front of you. It's a chance for you and I using that image to ask what kind of maps that we have been given. Whether that's from family or school or the world around us, what kind of maps have been given to us to navigate our lives? And on that map, what things are included or maybe what things are left out? Maybe the map that you are holding so closely and looking at with great attention is one filled with economic or financial markers. That life is marked out, the path is measured by my ability to earn, my ability to gather, the ability to purchase what I want or to simply ask how much does it cost me or how much will I gain. Or maybe there's a map that you have in your hands that keeps asking you about where you're gonna find pleasure or find satisfaction telling you that you take this turn or this path, these are the experiences that you need to have. These are the things that you need to encounter or to experience, to feel. This is how you overcome boredom or a sense of emptiness. Or maybe for some of us, it's a map that's all about directions telling us how to be successful or have a reputation that we desire. A path that's measured in terms of the right school or the right work, the right title, the right steps to make sure that you're one step ahead of those around you. How does seeing the resurrection of Christ give us hope? What I want us to picture or to imagine this day is that the resurrection, the announcement that God entered the tomb and brought life in the place of death is it's like a new map being given to you and me. New markers, new realities that tell us who we are and of this world around us. It's a map that's honest about our fears and our failures of our limits, but also one that speaks of the power of God. You see, when we look at ourselves or we look at our neighbors or we look at the circumstances of life, as we consider kind of our, the map and directions in front of us, 
Is there any trace of faith, of mystery, of that which transcends? On the map that you and I consult, are, are there ways and markers that are beyond my resources, markers that are not rooted in my plans or my strength? You see, Jesus' resurrection, it proclaims something very important to you and to me today. There is something more than the world's directions and the world's criteria. There's something more than the powers that nailed him to the cross. There's something more than human greed or human manipulation. There's something more than our fears and our worries, more than our past, more than our lies. There's something more than our best efforts. There's something even more than our death. The Apostle Paul, when imprisoned in the city of Ephesus, wrote to fellow believers, and one of the things he wrote is that he suffered greatly during the time of imprisonment. His suffering was partly physical, but also emotional and spiritual. That he was overwhelmed. He writes, I was afflicted and so utterly burdened that beyond my strength that I began to despair. My spirits weighed down with fear. One author describing what the Apostle Paul writes said that Paul writes as one overwhelmed with fear and worry, the load too heavy, his personal resources reaching an end. And imagine that all of us know that reality of times when life gets hard, when we feel uncertain about what's in front of us or maybe uncertain about everything. What should I be doing? Am I on the right track? Does anything matter? And whether it's over a long stretch of choices, a long stretch of time, or whether it's a sudden crisis, that one thing about being a human being is that all of us, at one moment or another, will realize that our resources and our plans, our strength, our financial success, our religious goodness, these things are not sufficient for what's in front of me. There must be another map, something else to see. This was Paul's experience. When he faced his limits in this place, he remembered God. And he could have called God by all sorts of names. He could have called God Almighty, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham. But what, God, what Paul writes at that moment, what he remembered, he remembered the God who raises the dead. He remembered the God who went into the tomb, the place of human limitation, the place which is very clear beyond our resources, and the God who brought new life and new beginnings. He remembered this God, and he relied upon him instead of his own strength. Here was a place to find hope and security an identity beyond himself. The map he followed was one that included the reality of God and the resurrection. And my hope we can see this day is the hold that brings us hope, what we can remind ourselves in the days in which things are good and the days in which things are hard. Is the one who sees you the one who sees you fully, who knows you completely, he has come to you in love. He took on flesh, and on the cross, this one Jesus took on your hurt and your sin and all that seeks to claim you, even death. He took the world's injustice and the world's violence, but such things could not hold him. He has overcome. In the very place of human limitation, he brought new life. And therefore, the resurrection today and forever proclaims that all who are in Christ are secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that we are significant, 
that in God, what God says is true, that we are made in his image, filled with purpose, called to know him and to know his love. We opened with the women walking to the tomb. They see the work of God. They hear the proclamation that he is risen. And they also are told by the angel and by the risen Jesus, do not be afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid is one of the most common statements that God gives to his people. Do not be afraid. How does seeing this bring us hope? Well, hope is a necessary mutual thing, a relationship for hope correlates to help, that there is help that comes from outside of me. We have hope because there is something beyond me. Do not be afraid, Jesus says. We are not alone to face our sin, our mistreatment, our mortality. Rather, we can join with those women on that first day and the disciples and all the church in confessing that Jesus Christ is risen. And because he is risen, the one who has borne our sin and sorrow has overcome and given us a new life, a new identity, and a new hope. Hallelujah. The one who has died has risen. He's risen indeed. Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. And we thank you for the proclamation of the resurrection. We do pray today that you would help us to see it, maybe even in new light, to see that there is something here that not of our making, but beyond human power. And we pray that that intervention, Lord, will give us hope that there is something more than ourselves or more than what the world offers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together. So with you, lift up your eyes. We 
Christ, in your resurrection, the heavens and the earth rejoice. By your resurrection, you have overcome sin and death. By your resurrection, you have filled the disciples with joy and brought salvation to the world. Lord, we do not look for Jesus among the dead, but join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in their unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. This table before us that we can see and hold and, and taste, it's a table of hope. Because it's a table for those who need help. A table for those who need help. Christ's body broken, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. For those who are far off or alone to be brought near. To those covered in shame and guilt to have their heads lifted and to know forgiveness. This is a table of hope. For when we gather here, we gather not by ourselves, but we gather as those united to Christ. His victory, his power, his grace and life is for us, for you united to him in faith. So as we come this day, let this table be a table of hope, of witness that there is a help beyond ourselves that speaks into our greatest needs. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table, and I pray, Lord, that you would meet us here by your spirit. Set apart this bread and cup and let them be uh, vessels of your grace that we may know again the power of your spirit to bring new life the power of your spirit to bring us hope. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle to receive the bread and the cup, and you can return on the sides. Uh, if you're able to hold the elements, I ask that you would do that until, until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not participating in communion uh, this morning, we're, we're glad that you're here. We invite everyone to come forward. If you're not taking communion, you can just put your arm across your chest, and Pastor Brian or I will offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. Let us come now and receive the gifts that God gives to his people.
Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table of grace, I invite you to stand that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus, let us remember all that you have done for us, the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, and the ascension. Kindle great hope in our hearts as we wait for you to come in power and great glory to make all things new. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue our, our worship through a time of giving a, a, to respond to God's generosity. And so um, I want to invite the greeters to come forward. To um, They have a basket you can put your communion cup in, and then there's also a plate you can give a gift if you'd like to do that. If you'd, also, if you'd like to give to the work of the church, you can do so. You'll see a note here through the church's website or uh, by text. Uh, just one other note, just to say welcome, especially if you're visiting. We're glad that you've joined us today. Uh, as I mentioned in the beginning, there is a time of coffee and bagels after the service. Um, if you go kind of out the way you came in over here, if you came in on this side to my left, there's the cafeteria, and there'll be a table there uh, with coffee and bagels. You can, we can go in the cafeteria, or you can stay outside and enjoy the sun. But hope you can stay after uh, for that time together. Uh, if you are visiting and would like to share your information with the church, uh, there's a QR code in here. Um, you can fill it out online, or there's a welcome card on the back table. We'd love to be able to follow up with you if you'd like to learn more about the church. Let's continue giving our gifts to God.
Receive now God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. May go in peace.